big star out of me. Make a film about a man who's sad and lonely. And all I gotta do is act naturally. Well, I'll bet you I'm gonna be a big star. Might win an Oscar, you can never tell. The movie's gonna make me a big star. Hello and welcome to Meet Me at the Movies. Noel T. Manning II here. Um, hanging out with really a, an amazing guy. Um, but we were talking uh, just before the, we went on the air here about once upon a time in Hollywood, uh, Mr. Rex Randolph, uh, <laughs> man, death driver. Good to see you, man. Rex Randolph, you're awesome. Uh, you know, I drive like that every day. You should see me in the, Wal in the Walmart parking lot. <laughs> Of course, everyone drives like that <laughs> in the Walmart exactly market. Right. That is Greg Tillman, uh, the uh, the king, the guru, the man that makes this all happen. We appreciate you, man. God, I don't know. I just no uh, one's buying that. Well, you know, sometimes you just have to uh, you have to you have to kiss up to the guy that uh, that's in charge. Wow. So there you I go. I could edit you and make you look worse <laughs> than you already do. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But, uh, yeah, once upon a time, you finally got a chance to see it. I finally it. saw it, what, three weeks after we reviewed it on the show, <laughs> yeah. so better late than never. And you, you enjoyed it. What a fun ride. Yeah. I mean, Tarantino never disappoints. Yeah. Uh, full of surprises, too. And, and great performances. DiCaprio yeah. was fantastic. Oh, heck yeah. Pitts hasn't been that good in a long time either, I don't think. Do you? You know, I, I like him. I really, I really do like him a lot. I always have, but he was solid. He was really, really you solid. You know, Margot Robbie had such a small part as Sharon Tate, but she was lovely. And it, I don't mean physically, but the innocence that, that she portrayed with that character, particularly yeah. in the movie theater. That, oh, yeah. yeah. That was just charming and, yeah, and, and adorable, maybe. Well, well Thomas, Thomas, our co-host guest today, I mean, uh, we talked about how much we wish we'd seen more of her. Yeah. The young actress, were we not right oh, about oh, her? Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Gee. Yeah. That was just a great little scene, too, wasn't yeah, it? In it so was. many ways. It was. Now, you were talking about the, before we went on the air, talking about Lancer, yeah. which was a Western, yeah. which was an obscure Western, two yeah, seasons. Yeah, two seasons on CBS. It was not a big success uh, and struggled his first season. And, and even, now, this shows what a, what a kid I was, the kind of kid I was, and maybe why I've ended up doing what I do. I remember watching the ratings for Lancer when I was eight years old. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And thinking, okay. you know, Dad, that's not going to get so, renewed. But so you did. were going between that and Watergate hearings, basically, right? Uh, well, I was a loader for the Watergate yeah. hearings. But yeah, I would, <laughs> I would get off the school bus and go sit down and watch James, uh, James Dean. Uh, uh, John Dean testified yeah. at, at the Watergate hearings. Fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. well. Good I'm, memories. I'm Good glad times. you got to see Once Upon a Time. What was your rating for that? Uh, yeah. A minus. A minus, okay. Yeah. All right, good deal. Well, welcome to Meet Me at the Movies uh, right here at C19. TV. You can watch it uh, several times. Uh, just just go on the website, uh, and you can find when this airs, uh, or you can go to c19.tv and watch in-demand programming yep. uh, anytime you want to uh, yep. on your schedule. Yep. Uh, and if you want to listen to the podcast of this show, that's wgwg.org is where you can find that. Thomas, welcome back, man. How are you? I appreciate you having me. I'm doing well today. Good to see you. Uh, we were going to have Douglas Davidson back, but uh, he got smart and uh, decided... I figured that was a matter he, of time. He just decided you know? to cancel on us. Yeah. Uh, no, Douglas actually uh, did send us a message saying that he had uh, some, some issues with his wife. Not, not well, who does with his wife. Who doesn't, right? She was... She was <laughs> Tim's like, what? No, yeah, no. Tim, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? <laughs> she was not feeling well. She was a little under the weather, and he was wanting to do the thing you should do. You take care of your wife and your family. So yeah. kudos to you, Douglas. We're glad that you chose that instead of us. 
We really are. Like it was a competition, really, <laughs> exactly. at the end of the day. Exactly. Yeah. Well, a, a lot of new things to try to talk about today. Movie-wise, we are wrapping up the summer, and so the big blockbuster kind of things are gone. Uh, we're going to see some uh, more obscure films popping up, but we've got some documentaries to talk about. We've got some uh, limited release films, some films with North, Cal North Carolina collect connections, uh, and we'll see what else we get to uh, before things. Say North Carolina uh, Department of Corrections. What do you yeah, say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. North Carolina connection-related filming. Oh, okay. There you go. Uh, I'll get it out, including something relating to my hometown, which was kind of cool. Uh, first movie we're going to talk about, uh, we, you do have a cooking show. What's the cooking show? That Cleveland County Kitchen with uh, her host, Deborah Blanton. Cleveland County yeah. Kitchen. We're not going to bring Deborah Blanton on, but we are talking about a movie called The Kitchen uh, with three big stars in this film. Thomas, uh, tell me a little bit about the stars uh, in this film. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, you've got Melissa McCarthy. You've also got Tiffany Haddish as well as Elizabeth Moss. And uh, they're three women whose husbands are kind of like crime bosses in the area. It's in Hell's Kitchen, New York. And um, this is back in the 70s, like 1978, I believe. And um, their husbands go to jail, and it shows them kind of stepping into their places and kind of taking over the crime empire. And a uh, really interesting take on the uh, old 1970s throwback mob drama. Yeah, and, and it's uh, you know, the, the casting of this was pretty solid. Domino Gleasing also shows up in this. He was probably one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the three performances from the three leads were really impressive, but he was an outstanding supporting performance. Um, he's this guy that, uh, I guess you, he's a criminal, I guess you could say, and he kind of steps in and realizes that uh, these three women need a little bit of guidance in uh, because they're kind of new to the whole crime boss thing. And they so, do a little strong arm backup as well. Yeah, so he provides yeah. a little bit of that. Yeah, um, so there's some really uh, darkly humorous scenes with him, I would say. Uh, oh, yeah. You'll know it when you see it, but yeah. I won't. He, he teaches them uh, how to get rid of a dead body. Yeah, yeah. Is, is an easy way to, to say it. Not that that's a humorous thing by any means, but. Well, that was my question. Is this a comedy? It's not. It's not. It's a, it's a, it's a crime drama, uh -huh. but there are elements that. Um, or organically humor, yeah, humorous, yeah, I would say. Yeah. I mean, you, you're like, you can't help, you know, kind of laugh at it, like, wow, that's kind of freaky, but you find yourself going, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, especially when you've got three people who are really new to uh, leading a crime empire. They're not new to criminal activities because they have husbands that have been involved in it, but yeah. when they have to take over or when they choose to take over is really what ends up happening. And uh, a strong, a really strong cast. I, I, the acting was great. The storyline, I like the storyline, I like the concept uh, of the story, love the soundtrack. Um, the, the soundtrack had a lot of classic uh, songs, you had Fleetwood Mac, you had, uh, oh gosh, Heart. what else? You had Heart, Heart was in, in Kansas. this, Kansas, Hawk so you had some had really well. good, yeah. really good songs in this that kind of set the time this period. Is a it's a period piece. Right? period piece yeah. in the late 70s. Yeah. Uh, the, um, you know, and some solid choices from a cinematography standpoint. But I had some problems with it. You had some problems as well. Oh, yeah, the biggest issue was definitely the pacing. It was only an hour and 42 minutes long, but it uh, felt like it was easily two hours. Um, it just felt like they really dragged on too much in some scenes. And then in some scenes with some of the character progressions, the character progressions were kind of sudden. It's like they went straight from being the wives to these husbands that were uh, criminal criminals like the mob bosses. And then... As soon as they got in jail, it's like they just shot to the top just like that. And it felt too yeah. soon. It didn't feel as natural as it 
should Rushed. have been. I agree. Yeah, I, I, I feel the same way. I, I felt that the kind of the character arcs or those character changes that you saw were a little abrupt, a little forced, and, and I felt the same way with the ending. I felt the ending just kind of was there. Right. And um, it, it left you wanting more, but at the same time, it felt kind of long. Yeah, yeah. The, the movie felt long. So I'm, I'm with did. you on all the problems. Yeah. Were there things that you liked about it other than what we've already touched on? Uh, I just like the atmosphere they created. Oh, they did a really good job kind of doing a throwback mobster movie. It kind of felt like a classic Scorsese or Coppola film yeah. in many ways. Um, not quite as engaging as something you would have seen from those directors, but they did a pretty good job just creating that aura around it. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that's something that I really enjoyed yeah. about it. Yeah, any, uh, I'm giving it a C plus. That's my final rating for it. It was, uh, it was you know, a little better than average. I'm glad I saw it. Uh, it's not one I'm planning to revisit multiple times down the road. Uh, any, any final thoughts before you give your grade? Uh, I feel like it could have been better as a miniseries almost. Yeah. It could have been paced better, maybe like a four to six episode Netflix or Amazon series. And, yeah, uh, you could have you could have taken those character arcs and, and not made them quite as rushed and done some yeah, more things with yeah. them. You, I mean, they were involved. Uh, the characters were involved in a lot of criminal activities, doing a lot of different things. You know, basically protecting businesses from the other crime bosses or the other criminal elements. And so you saw, you got glimpses of what they were doing, um, but there could have been more. So it kind of unfilled unfulfilled potential, maybe. Right. Yeah. Okay. I am right about a B minus for it. I'm glad I checked it out. Um, and it's based on a graphic novel. It kind of made me interested in going to check out yeah. some of the source material. Right. But uh, probably not one I'm going to watch over and over again. Yep. I, I was interested in seeing it. Now I'm a little more lukewarm about it. But I'll yeah. probably watch it maybe when it's home video, I guess. Yeah. Just because Elizabeth Moss is always so good. She is. You know, Mad Men and, and Handmaid's Tale, she can kind of do no wrong. Right. Uh, and Melissa McCarthy, I think, is yeah. a great dramatic actress. I mean, she's done a lot of broad comedies, but what was the one she had out last year that she got a Best Actress nomination for? So, Can You Ever Forgive Me, I believe, is what it was. Uh, how can I forget that name? Yeah. I say that all the time. Yeah. How can I, I should be able to remember it. But she was great in that. Yeah, yeah. There you go. The kitchen, if you so choose to see it. You know, going from the kitchen into the jungle, um, not really much of a segue there, but we're going to do it anyway. What do you think of that, Tim? You like that? Yeah, you were asleep, weren't you? You were asleep. You're a little slow on that. He's sleeping back there with uh, Elvis Nomesley in the background, but uh, that's okay. That's all right. Along with our studio audience, I, I think they're still sleeping as well. Um, yep, here they are. Yep, they are. Uh, as sleeping. is our home audience. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. We're going to try to wake you up with, uh, with Dora the Explorer. Uh, this is Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Now, Thomas, I'm going to call you on something, all right? You and your sister, Catherine, both watched Dora on Nickelodeon back when you were a little younger, like last year. Right? Last year, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Senior year of high school, I did, of course. Right. Um. And, and, and you used to walk around the house, from what I hear, doing the Dora thing. Is that right? Uh, that doesn't sound accurate. Sound I, don't, I don't know where you get that from. All right, so you never said, hi, I'm Dora. Uh, no, you never no, did that? No, no. Somebody else must have been. But well, now we have you saying it on camera. That's right, we do. Well, this is a movie I that... smell a YouTube clip, by the way. <laughs> that's right. Well, this is a film um, that is really kind of put at the tail end of the summer. Not high expectations for this. Uh, a family-related film, and it, uh, it's kind of a live-action, truly is a live-action version with some twist on the story that we know about, uh, about Dora the Explorer. Her family... Uh, they are uh, archaeologists. Basically, uh, yeah. They're not treasure hunters. They're archaeologists. She's lived with them and been homeschooled with them all around the world, wherever they travel. But now 
things are changing and she's going to the big city uh, where her cousin Diego lives and going to live with uh, his family and try to move into a different jungle, the jungle of high school. That's kind of the storyline that starts things up, but then her parents go missing. This is early on in the film, and the question is, will she find her parents? And if so, where are they? Any other setups we need to, to provide, the, provide the audience about the story? Well, uh, she kind of makes a few new friends in um, high school, and well, she's struggling to make new friends. She's got Diego, her cousin, and then a couple others, and um, you wonder how these personalities all going to mesh, and then they get thrown into a situation where they kind of have to learn how to work together. So. Yeah, it's almost the uh, the Breakfast Club uh, on location. You know, yeah. you've yeah. got these different types of characters that are thrown together, and uh, they're forced to uh, learn how to work through some issues and work at finding uh, at finding uh, the fam the lost family. You know, this is a film that uh, our, our buddy, Mr. Zane Gray, giving you a call out. Zane who? Gray. Remember Zane? No, Zach? I don't remember, remember Zach? him at all. Zach. Zach, yeah. Zach, yeah. I know you're talking yeah. about. Uh, you know, he, he said that this was trash, that there was no way he'd ever go see this movie until a couple of people kind of trolled him and yeah, said that this was actually more entertaining than The Lion King. Yeah. And then he went to see it. Yeah. Is that right? It did. And you know what? He actually enjoyed the movie. <laughs> he, uh, we'll get to our grade in a little bit, but he gave it the same grade as us. All right. And, so uh, so give, me, give me your thoughts on this movie. You enjoyed this. Oh, uh, yeah. It was, it was way better than it needed to be. Like, it wasn't even directed at my, like, myself as an audience or you, really. Right. It was directed at, like, you know, six and seven-year-olds. Yeah. And all I had to do was entertain them and do its job, but it entertained me as well. Um, it did a really good job with some humor, developing some humor. There were some cheap laughs and stuff directed toward that younger audience, but there was also a lot of kind of meta humor. Uh, you had Dora breaking the fourth wall, basically, like she did in the cartoon, and the way they kind of incorporated that into the live action was really funny. Um, her father was played by Michael Pena, and her mother was played by Eva Longoria, and uh, the way they interacted was pretty great as well. And um, then the adventure spirit of it it's, it's borrows a lot from Indiana Jones yeah. and, you know, kind of Night at the Museum, that kind of thing. Even had some Scooby-Doo kind of references, well, uh, kind of storylines that, that, that follow through with it. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I guess you could say it's a, it, it doesn't exactly rip off of them, more like it pays homage to them. Yeah. And I uh, really like the way they were able to do that. And some younger audience members wouldn't get some of the references, but some of the older ones were like, oh, okay, I see what you did there. And yeah, and there were really also fun. references if you did grow up watching uh, the uh, original television series or you were parents of kids who were, you will definitely recognize some nods to that as well. Uh, and there's even one scene where, where things... Uh, some weird things happen, and it actually goes into full-blown animation, and that was just pure fun. Oh yeah, yeah, that was pure fun. I love the way they did that, and it felt really natural the way they were able to weave that into the story. And this really was a family film, it a was. kids film. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, uh, it's something the whole family can enjoy, uh, no matter your age or even if you grew up with a cartoon or whether or not you enjoyed it. Um, you know, we're talking about. We had a review of The Lion King earlier a few weeks ago on the show, and uh, we were not huge fans of that, but I think this one is one that families can get a lot more out of compared to I think to so, that. too. I think it's got more rewatchability for families, yeah, yeah. especially families with young kids. It is that just traditional, you, know, you could almost say almost a Disney-esque action-adventure feel from the days that we grew up watching those Disney action films yeah. and adventure films. Uh, you know, it's got some twists and turns, but it's just fun. It's just pure fun, and there's even a high school musical kind of element at the very end of the film uh, during the credits, which is 
is worth watching as well. So what's your rating for this? Um, I'm at a solid B for this. Uh, what really sold me, you have Danny Trejo playing Boots the Monkey and <laughs> Benicio Del Toro Swiper the Fox. I mean, you can't go wrong there. So exactly. that's what really sold me on it. So yeah, solid B for it. Yeah, it was, it was fun. So uh, yeah, I, I recommend checking out uh, Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Sounds like, like a nice change of pace for, for a movie that's aimed at the seven, eight, nine-year-olds. Because yeah. seems like filmmakers usually shoot so low to them. Oh, I agree. But, uh, I agree. And this is one that, that fam, like I said, when I say family film, it's families can enjoy this as yeah, much as the young kids. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, solid, solid B for me as well for, uh, for Dora. And, uh, well, we're checking out. So uh, if you're looking for something for the family, highly recommend this. Well, we're going to take a quick break, a uh, quick intermission right here on C19, uh, Meet Me in the Movies. And we're going to come back and talk about a documentary, 50 Years in the Making. And if you're fans of, uh, of rock and blues and maybe even MTV, you might uh, want to stick around for this. We'll be right back after this break. CCC, we're all about training students for exciting careers. Our Barber Academy is a great example. Did you know jobs for barbers, stylists, and other related fields are increasing? Competition for the best jobs will be strong. With your CCC training, you'll have a definite edge. Our courses give you the skills and knowledge you need to sit for North Carolina's Apprentice Barber Exam. To move up the ladder, you need at least one year of on-the-job training before you take the state's registered barber exam. If you pass, it's official. You'll be a registered barber. While private barber schools can cost $10,000 or more, CCC makes it affordable. Plus, you can complete our Barber Academy in only 15 months. Now the question is, are you ready to start your journey today? Hi, I'm Tim Foster from C19TV. I'm Rob Root from KTCBroadcasting.com. And I'm Fuvio Brooks from C19TV Sports. Join us for Armchair Quarterback. What's in store on the gridiron in 2019? Can Shelby win a 6-2A state title in seven years? Will Kings Mountain challenge for a Western 3A title? How will Burns handle the transition to 2A? And can Crest return to dominance in 3A? Every week we take a look at all four Cleveland County High School football teams. Southwestern 2A Conference foes Burns and Shelby and Big South Conference foes Crest and Kings Mountain. We will look at what happened the week before and look ahead at what's coming up this week. Each week this season we'll be naming our armchair quarterback Jamming Jay's Pizza Factory Player of the Week. We will also break down the SEC, ACC, and Gardner-Webb football. We'll also do the NFL and the Carolina Panthers. Nobody covers Cleveland County High School football like armchair quarterback. Don't miss another great season right here on C19 TV. Every day is different. You have the ability to forge your own path. The industry's wide open. You've always got job security. And also write your own paycheck. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Education is our most powerful tool to improve and change our world. Hi, I'm Rhonda Benfield, your host for School Matters. 
Join me for a new program every other week with information from and about the students and staff of Cleveland County Schools. Discover what our schools are doing to challenge students and help them reach their full potential. You can catch us on Spectrum Cable Channel 19 or stream us live on C19.tv. They're gonna put me in the movies. They're gonna make a big star out of me. Welcome back to Meet Me in the Movies. I'm taking notes while Mr. Tillman over there is asking me questions and I'm trying to multitask. And Tim interfered us by restarting the show. Exactly, Tim. What's wrong with you, man? Learning stuff from Paul, and, and I don't know that I like it. I, I, I just don't know that I like it. And we're gonna, we've got, we've got non-viewer mail coming up about Paul Foster, just because he's not on the show. We need to have Paul on the show. I don't know. Is that okay with you, Tim? Can we bring Paul to know? No, okay. Sorry. Well, that idea. I tried. I tried, Paul. Sorry, man. Sibling I rivalry. I didn't even know Sibling Paul's rivalry. Until a you, couple you didn't weeks know ago. that? A couple weeks ago, he was, he was telling me. I was like, hold up. Paul Foster is your brother. <laughs> yeah, I used to hang out in his office all the time. Legendary. It's, uh, kind, of, it's kind of a Cain and Abel thing, though. It, oh, oh, okay. I was thinking more like Tweedle D and Tweedle Dumb, but hey, we'll, we'll, whoa! Hey, you're the D. You're the D. Yeah, you have to see. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. Greg Tillman over there, Thomas Manning over there, and Noel Manning over here, and uh, no relation. And uh, we well, are uh, here hanging out talking movies for Meet Me at the Movies. Uh, I was an MTV fan. Um, I worked in a music store, a record store, Camelot Music, uh, during the 80s. And so it was the most spectacular time it was. to work in a record store. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, people would come in and ask you, hey, that latest video, do you have that single? I mean, it was just, it was, you know, you really felt connected to everything happening. Someone Thomas's age could, cannot imagine how powerful and how much fun MTV used to be. Oh, absolutely. In its yeah. original incarnation. And, and the way it changed the music industry and, and the way music, saw, and, and the way oh, music yeah. was sold. Right. Uh, much like what, we, what iTunes did. And, yeah. I mean, but it was one of those pivotal moments in music history that had a huge impact. And if you didn't have a music video that was showing on MTV, the record sales were not doing what they should have. Oh, yeah. Now, there was a band called ZZ Top that many people will remember from the 80s. Yep. But their genesis goes back to 1969, so 50 years ago, this band first started in the original incarnation. So these three guys, now they were in bands before, but ZZ Top formed in 1969. There's a documentary called uh, Little Old Band from Texas, ZZ Top, and it follows and chronicles their story as this kind of a blues band they, they, they were in Texas, and they had this kind of blues sound, but they wanted to do something a little different with it, and it, it shows how their evolution happened over the course of, of multiple years. And uh, Thomas, you've heard ZZ Top because you've listened to some of their music from, from your dad, and you've, you've got a chance to be exposed to that early on, but you actually watched this documentary before your dad did. So tell me your thoughts on this documentary and some other things story-wise you want to share about ZZ Top. Oh, I was just really impressed the way they kind of dug into all the little elements that make this band work. Um, it's They didn't just focus on the three band members. You know, you had uh, Dusty Hill, Frank Beard, and Billy Gibbons. They did focus on them, but they also focused on some of their producers, some of their recording artists, um, and what kind of just made them so unique and how they revolutionized the blues, uh, the rock and the blues music industry. Um, they had a different sound that people couldn't really label. Yeah. Uh, journalists, journalists would try to write about them, and, but they just couldn't really figure out 
if they loved them or hated them. And also, they were from Texas, and in that time, anybody that came from anywhere besides California wasn't or worth, New York, yeah, yeah, wasn't worth listening to. Um, so you kind of see how ZZ Top owned their Texas roots, and um, they brought in like animal wranglers and trainers. He even had inter interviews from those wranglers and. Uh, yeah, they for like in, 50 years ago. Yeah, yeah. They brought in like, what, buzzards and cows. And, and had them on stage. Yeah, yeah. So you had livestock <laughs> on stage during these shows. And some and of the bands they opened for, like Jimi Hendrix, the Rolling yeah, Stones, yeah. they opened for the Rolling Stones in Hawaii. Know. Yeah. So uh, they came from kind of humble beginnings. They would play in front of a crowd of a grand total of one person. <laughs> uh, one guy that probably just kind of stumbled in there uh, on accident. And uh, then they would play in front of the Rolling Stones and work their way up, but still they were overshadowed by the Rolling Stones and journalists wouldn't write about them, they'd write about um, the main event. Yeah. And uh, you kept seeing them keep chipping away and keep trying to find ways to tick and keep going. Yeah. And uh, it was really- But, but really you really cool. got a chance to, to see the impact that their music had on kind of this merging of musical styles. They, 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 nobody really knew how to define them and uh, even when you would go to see them because they, they're wearing these cowboy hats, and this was even before their long beards, uh, they're wearing these cowboy hats, but they're, they're playing music that's this really blues-infused mm -hmm. with right. some rock. And uh, they talked about their musical styles, about where they came from, and talked about their love of Elvis Presley. And it was when they went and played the, uh, the Memphis Blues Festival in Tennessee that they really found a way to change and um, infuse kind of rock uh, Memphis blues and Texas blues into the sound that we've come to know now. Then, then later on, they also infused some punk elements, which you don't really think about when you start right. listening to what they do. It's just they're incredible musicians. The documentary did, I think, really did a wonderful job um, having this uh, incredible narrative that was the narrative was done with animation at times. So if you hear them talking about a story of when they went into this bar and there was one person playing, they actually had somebody animate that. Yeah, yeah. And so that when they didn't have this archival footage, they would do some creative things to kind of tell the story. And right. I really liked that. Yeah, it was incredibly well edited. And uh, you know, bringing in those animation sequences was perfect. It just perfectly fit with the tone of the band and uh, just their kind of quirks. and. Uh, some old stock footage and that kind of thing. Yeah, and, and old stills, and you also got a sense for uh, where they hit a burnout stage and they took a two-year hiatus and just did, they didn't play, they didn't write, they just took a break because it was just so much that was upon them. But a, a solid a solid film, uh, I, I think that there were a few times there were some audio mixing and editing issues for me. Uh, kind of toward the end, I, I felt that um, that was a little odd because the movie, uh, the documentary is about music. So I thought that audio mix at times was a little off. Um, I, I, I think the director had a hard time trying to figure out how to wrap it up. It just kind of felt like it ended. Uh, it, it really walked you up until their, their 80s days. And then it just kind of, like that was it. You didn't yeah. see what they were doing since and that was a problem I had with it. Yeah, it kind of went straight from MTV to present day and uh, the last 10 minutes were just kind of wrapping things up, showing where they are now, what they've done in the past like three decades. Uh, whereas the first hour, first hour and 15 minutes had focused completely on those like 10 years. Yeah. And uh, it just kind of felt like they threw it in there, the final 10 minutes. But uh, it didn't really have a huge impact negatively. Yeah. I'm still at a B plus for it. Uh, it was just a great documentary showing 
the inner workings of this band. Yeah, a solid B for me. I really, really enjoyed this film, and if you, uh, it, it did uh, engage me to want to go back and listen to more of their stuff again. And uh, they've actually got a, a new release that's just released this month called Going 50, and it celebrates their 50 years in the music business with remasters and 50 tracks on mm -hmm. three discs. Wow. So if you're somebody who still purchases disc, uh, you can go back and find that. That's called Going 50. The documentary is called uh, the, That Little Old Band from Texas, ZZ Top. Uh, Where do you find this? Um, you can search it uh, iTunes. I think you can watch it with Amazon downloads. But uh, just search for that, and you'll be able to, to find it. And it is in some limited uh, theatrical releases as well. Uh, quote of the week. We're going to wrap things up with a quote of the week, as we always do. Friends are the family that you choose. I'm Noel Manning. That over there is Greg Tillman, uh, Thomas Manning joining us uh, this week, and Tim Foster uh, back on the Tim Cam, uh, and our studio audience uh, as energetic as always spending time with us. Uh, we do appreciate that, as well as those of you watching at home. Until next time, I'm Noel T. Manning II for Meet Me at the Movies on C19 TV. That's a wrap. Happy